The Real Estate Sessions is brought to you by FIRST. FIRST knows that a real estate professional's most valuable asset is their relationships. A strong personal network is the moat that can guard against any industry disruption. But there is never enough time to nurture your network the way you want to. FIRST powers top agents with artificial intelligence to spotlight the people who are most likely to sell. This brings focus and attention to make important connections when it matters most. Learn more and request a free demo at first.io. People are frequently going through another major life event in almost all cases of when they're buying and selling a home. So it's really imperative that the real estate agent be able to uh, stay you know, calm and be able to navigate it for their client because the client and I think the other people in the transaction feed off of that. I mean, I, I'm sure you've seen this as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, when the real estate agent, you know, makes it into an emergency or crisis when it, they could have been calm and probably would have kept everybody else calm. So that's why it's, it's just as important, the personal development aspect as the business. Welcome to the Real Estate Sessions podcast where industry leaders share their stories and offer tips and advice for real estate professionals. Now your host, Bill Rissa of Fidelity National Title in Tampa, Florida. Hi, everybody. Welcome to episode 156 of the Real Estate Sessions podcast. I'm so glad you could join us. Thank you for telling a friend. It's how we continue to grow. And as always, I appreciate the ratings and reviews you leave that help the show get found even easier. Uh, Very excited about today's guest. We're going to be meeting with Karen Briscoe. Karen is the author of the book, Real Estate Success in Five Minutes a Day, Secrets of a Top Agent Revealed. Uh, Can't wait to talk about that book. She has a podcast tied to that concept of real estate success in five minutes. And she has a very successful team in McLean, Virginia, right inside the Beltway in Washington, D.C. Very excited to have this conversation. Karen, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Bill, for the shout out, and I'm looking forward to our conversation. Well, I am too. I, I know that you live in the D.C. area, and actually, I just spent the weekend, or my wife and I just spent the weekend with our son. He lives right in Washington, D.C., works at a nonprofit there. So I said, hey, I'm interviewing somebody from McLean, Virginia, and he goes, oh, yeah, that's where the really nice houses are, Dad. So, <laughs> so I'm assuming he's got that part right. Yes, yes. It is across the Potomac River. We are inside the Beltway in 22101 McLean. Another claim to fame is the CIA is located. So whenever you see one of those movies that is has some sort of spy thriller to it and you see Langley at the bottom, that's actually in McLean. And it usually comes up like it's typewritten if it's a spy movie, yes. right? They'll type right in. <laughs> like it's a big secret. Like we don't know where it is. I right. drive past every day. That's awesome. But I know you didn't grow up there. I Looking at your background, I, I see some college in Missouri and then you head off to Texas. So let's talk about Karen growing up. Was, was it Missouri for you? Yes. I grew up in Columbia, Missouri, which is a college town. And my father was an entrepreneur. I like to say that's where I, I inherited my entrepreneurial spirit, but went to college in the same town I grew up in and really needed to it's set my own way because everybody knew who my father was. So I really wanted to see if Karen Briscoe could do, or at the time, Karen Gebhardt could do it on her own. So Dallas was all the rage because of the TV show, really aging myself here. And so I went to Texas and that's when I was in commercial real estate. And it was the, boy, I tell you, deals were flying and it was the, the wild, wild west. I did residential lot development for Trammell Crow where 
we would buy land, put in streets and utilities and sell lots to home builders. Met my husband and that uh, at the same time finished uh, a graduate degree at Southern Methodist University because that's where you picked up the other college. Ah, SMU. Yeah. So uh, I'm trying to think, is this the heyday of SMU as far as football? Because they, you know, they still did have a team that they, it it was before they uh, wouldn't let them pay for players anymore, even right. though I that's a great debate about whether uh, that occurs still or not. But at, at the time, it uh, right in the late 80s is when there was the corruption and then yeah. the, all of the sanctions and everything. And yes, that's when we SMU, uh, the downfall of the football team. So yeah. we people come for other things now. Absolutely. Like education. No. <laughs> totally get it. it makes perfect sense. Uh, while you're going to school, either, you know, back in Missouri or at SMU, are you, are you contemplating a career in real estate? Because I find very few people are that focused that early. And that was true for me as well. My father was in the restaurant business. And one thing I knew I did not want to do was restaurant business. I did have my best friend from California, the Orange County area. His father was a real estate developer. And I think he made more money in one week than my father made in a year. And so I was exposed to something. I was like, wow, this is really amazing. So when I had the opportunity to go to work for Trammell Crow, I immediately recognized there was great opportunity there. I had no idea what it meant, but I knew that there was something there. And and I really did find the development aspect to real estate to be fascinating, just the whole, the buying the land, the acquisition, the planning, the zoning, the all of that it was was really something I was interested in. But the market shifted. Right. And when markets shift, you have to adapt accordingly. Right. Now, commercial, I, you know, I did some commercial escrow work for uh, Chicago title back in Phoenix. And this is even in uh, 2003, four, five. It was kind of a good old boy network in that commercial world of brokers. Right. And so, and, but there were plenty of women doing great things, but I'm thinking if you go back, you know, to when you're just getting out of college, was it a little difficult to kind of work your way into that and, you know, kind of establish yourself? Yes, I would say that it was pretty unusual at that. It's even at that juncture in the early eighties for women, I had the opportunity uh, in Trammell Crow, one of the vice presidents went off to start his own real estate development company. And he asked me to go with him and he had gotten a partnership with a savings and loan. I don't know if you remember those days when you could do that. This was before <laughs> the savings and loan crisis. Yep. And so I, I was, would say it's like a startup, right? So you think about startups now and, and how you have to create everything from the beginning. I created everything from the beginning. And that was very uh, exciting times. Again, the, there was a, about a half a dozen years where it was just blowing and going. And then all of a sudden the market shifted. And I'll, the benefit to that is, is, you know, fast forward to the market run up of the 2000s into when it softened, started to soften and then correct. And then the crash when the financial markets crash, I recognized the signs because I had lived through it before I had what I call muscle memory. So I responded, I believe faster and got ahead of the market before a lot of other people recognized it. So I, I, it was still a great learning experience. I had at, at that time, I met my husband and then we married and had children and his career brought us to DC. So I, I left commercial real estate development at the right time. Right. When, when you get to DC, do you, do you quickly become a, a real, a residential realtor or do you do something else before? 
Well, so actually, I my husband's career in public policy was pretty demanding with travel. And so I stayed home with our kids for the next dozen years. And when they started to enter those ages of middle school, late elementary, I was like ready to reenter the workforce. And that was in 2001. And I thought I wanted to go back into the commercial side. So I knew some people at the Staubach company because that was a Texas company as well. And so I went to work for Staubach and had the Nextel account where they did manage the the, uh, commercial side of the sales, engineering, and warehouse offices. And so I found very quickly, though, that what you've seen one sales, engineering, and warehouse office You've seen them all. I found it to be very routine. The attorneys got to do all the interesting stuff, the negotiations. And so it, it was really people say, oh, commercial is so glamorous. I'm like, no, not always. It depends. And so that was what drew me to residential because I had gotten my license uh, to, when working at Staubach and at the Nextel account. Out The other thing that happened that was critical for that point is that was the tech bust. And Again, having lived through the savings and loan bust in Texas, I, I knew there wasn't any money in disposition. So I was like, okay, this is a good time to make a segue, a pivot. And so I pivoted over to residential. That's great. And so how long does it take for you to then be become a part of the, I think it's Huckabee Briscoe Conroy Group. That's your group at uh, Keller Williams, correct? Yeah. So it, over the next couple of years, met with some success and as often happens. People recognize success. And Sue Huckabee at the time, she was with Weikert, had, was number 10 in the nation. And so she asked me to become her partner. And then sadly, she passed away in 2008. And the same month, the financial markets crashed. So uh, I, I, I like to say, wow, everything hit me in 08. So it was only going up from there. In 09, that was when I moved over the company over to Keller Williams. And Lizzie Conroy had been a past client and somebody I knew from church and she said she was going to get a real estate license. And I said, well, come talk with me first. And so she joined me in 09. So we honor the Huckabee name. It's still very well known in our marketplace. And in fact, we just celebrated our 40th anniversary of what the legacy that Sue started. Wow. So this this goes back to, was it her father that started? No, it was her. She oh, started okay. in 1977. Yeah, she was just a young woman. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> and, wow. uh, and had a long career, uh, very well respected in the upper bracket market. Interesting, though, the upper bracket market is what got hit the most in the financial market correction if, after September 08. And so I have... We still have a number of upper bracket listings. I mean, I've sold a $4 million house this year. The majority of our business is in the $1 million range. I would say we average $1 million. That was really, and when I said that I recognized the signs and I moved the company before a lot of other people did, the ones that got caught, if you will, yeah. didn't see the signs coming and didn't adjust or adapt quick enough. So, you, I, I need to ask you a, a sidebar question here. Do you see anything happening right now <laughs> since you've been through yes. a couple of these? It seems like we're hearing some some noise, some noise out of California, and, and am I am I on track with that? I think that it's a a couple of things that are happening. I don't think it's a crash like what we had in 08. I don't I don't anticipate that because we haven't had a at least in this area we haven't had a run up. We've had recovery. Mm-hmm. So since the the crash in 08, and then another 
pretty much sharp downturn in 09. Then we've been recovering since 2010. A couple of blips along the way for us. We had sequestration and then we had TRID and all of the Consumer Protection Agency and all of that has has slowed the market down. And I think that's a good thing. I, I, I really don't think run-ups and then crashes are great for the market and the consumer. And so I, I would rather a more, you know, a little bopping up and down. What I see this time around is more of a demographic shift. And that is the baby boomer generation. It's the largest generation. And I'm one of them. And that's about 79 million. So the next generation is the generation Xers. And they have about 10 million less. So there's 10 million less people to buy the baby boomers houses. And then the next generation after that, the millennials that the baby boomers are their children, they are not ready to buy the big houses, the expensive houses. So we have this confluence of they're not, it's just a supply and demand fact. And it could be, it, it, in our area, it has to do with, with pricing in that if you're over a million, for sure, if you're over a million and a half or two million, that's still having price compression because there's just not enough buyers. And that's a tough conversation to have with a seller, I'm sure. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I really am very em, em, um, empathetic with their situation. You know, there's other markets that are experiencing the same thing. I mean, colleges and universities went through the same thing. When the baby boomers graduated from college, then there weren't as many people to fill those seats. So they they had to get creative. And that's when online learning came into effect, uh, place and and opportunities for people to go back and get degrees at night. And they they found other markets. And so that's one way to look at it is finding other markets and other ways, just recognizing that price will have to get in line with supply and demand. Right. Well, I'm, I'm glad I got to ask you that question because it's interesting to hear what people, how people kind of, you know, uh, view where we're at right now, um, especially people that have been through it before. Before I get too far away from the HBC group, can you tell me um, and the listeners the makeup of your team? You know, uh, how many agents and admin and that sort of thing? So I am the rainmaker. I, my business partner, though, Lizzie and I, we're kind of on a great horse race, which is wonderful. We have this great, you know, cooperation. We cooperate and we compete. Um, and then the we have, we call our agents associate agents because they will work with buyers and sellers. And we have uh, two that have been with us a while and then one just graduated college. So we're we're attracting that millennial because we know that's the next buyer that we need to be uh, recognizing in the marketplace. And then in terms of staff, we have an office manager, transaction coordinator, and somebody who handles uh, uh, kind of the overflow, if you will. My husband, he retired a couple of years ago from the trade association world, and and he joined me and and I'm experiencing the benefits of that of having just somebody who point person for all of those other logistics and it has been a really beneficial for the business the whole team I believe would say this 
enthusiastically. And also it's given me an opportunity to do some other things, which, you know, we may chat about, but writing the book and yeah. having a podcast. And so it, it's given me that space to do that. I think that it's enriched the entire team. I, in terms of opportunity, people hear me on podcasts, people read my book. We've actually, I didn't do this for the purpose, but it's turned into be actually a lead generation opportunity because people hear about me and then they know somebody that's buying or selling in this market area. They uh, reach out. Yeah. The, your favorite kind of phone call, right? Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, we're ready to help anybody with their real estate needs still. It's my primary focus. And yet at the same time, the other aspects to the podcast and the books have, have really enriched like I said, the team and taking our our reach much farther than it was before. Right. Let's talk about your your obvious passion for writing. Um, I mean, I as I looked at some of the stuff you do, you, you know, you blog on the group website. You're a contributor at Real Trends and Inman.com and possibly others. But even more importantly, I feel is you wrote a book called Real Estate Success in Five Minutes a Day: Secrets of a Top Agent Revealed. And I. I we're going to get to that book in a minute, but I want to just talk about this. Where did this passion for writing come from? Because I, I've got to be honest, uh, I find that really good writing is really hard to do. Um, everybody can write a paragraph or write a chapter, do whatever, but to, to write something compelling and to um, get people to take action, you know, copywriters, I think are just well, so undervalued, you know, in this, this world we live in today. Can you give me your take on, on just your, your writing? Well, thank you. I'm glad to hear that you think my writing is uh, has inspiration and information, which is the intent. In 2009, that was when social media, well, actually probably more like 2008, but in that time frame, social media was really coming into play in real estate. And I went to a, a seminar about writing blogs. And so I was like, okay, I got to get on this bandwagon. So I started writing a blog and found that I have a voice. And also I had a voice that was being recognized. A number of my blogs and stories have gone high rankings, you know, realtor.com, active rain. You've mentioned a couple other ones, Inman mm -hmm. and Realtrends. So I felt like my voice was resonating with the audience. And that's always a, affirming to have that happen. And the other thing that happened about the same time is frequently real estate agents, well, not just agents, but in any profession, when you achieve a certain level of success, people want to know, well, how'd you do it? And so I'd started doing some training in my company and in the area, like for title companies or lenders or whatever, and coaching. And people, the agents would say that my stories were memorable. They were, I like to call them sticky, because if you, if you don't remember it when you need it, kind of doesn't matter, right? I mean, right. <laughs> it didn't have any impact if you can't remember it. So the the stories are inspiration and information because something that's inspiring that may feel good, but it doesn't really spur you to do anything. But if an information, if it's just, you know, boring textbook like, then you're not likely to remember it either. So the, this combination of that. So I kind of trademarked it and, and found I had a voice and and that's what led to the writing of the book because people then would say, well, you should write a book, right? So it's kind of like these, these dominoes of, of, and then that's, that's where the book came about. Let's talk about it. I, you know, I, I find it fascinating how you broke this book down. It's, it's basically 
I guess I can say that it's like 365 chapter book. Now, if you say that to somebody, they're going to go, are you kidding me? (laughs) I can't read that. But, but explain, you know, first of all, how you came up with this idea and then what those chapters look like and how they work. Well, so in doing this training and coaching, I'd say, you know, we need to invest time into your personal business development. And that includes reading. And people said they never had time to read. And I'm like, okay, well, do you have five minutes a day? And they all said they could do that. And I said, okay, so if I wrote a book that all you had to do was read five minutes a day, you would get inspiration, information, and then you would get a takeaway that you could put into your business and life, then would you do that? So that's where the idea came from. And what it's I found in talking with people is it really has even more impact than I originally had anticipated. Because most books are what I call linear. They're they're chapter one, chapter two, chapter three. There's really, you think, okay, I got five or 10 minutes to read. And you're like, well, where do I stop? And, you know, what what section should I focus on or whatever? This gives you something to read every day that takes five minutes. So you already got the five minutes set off, set in place. But you're more likely to remember it. Because again, back to the tsunami effect of most books, it's like almost too much information. Sometimes trainings can be that way too. You're like, okay, that was all good. I just came away with too much information. I don't know what to do first. So this gives you something to do first. It gives you something to do that day. And if you put it into practice, you think on it, then you will more likely be able to recall it when you need it. And this was an epiphany that I had happened to me. I had been at a presentation with a a regional event and presented on the idea and sold books. And a couple of months later, I was at out of the area, but still in Virginia. This guy came up to me and he goes, it works. And I'm like, if what works? And he goes, your book. And I'm like, wow, he not only did he buy the book, he read the book and then he put the book into practice. He says, you're right. I remember it. And he said, I have a perfect example. And he told me one of the stories that he remembered when he needed to have a response or script to say to a seller about something. And he goes, and I remembered it and it worked. And so that's the beauty of having this broken down and into the chapter and into a daily reader format. Yeah, I love that idea. Um, Just fantastic. I, I I can promise you I'll be sharing this book with with multiple people <laughs> that I know that need this kind of help. So, uh, but you you also have kind of expanded on the line we'll call it, right? Talk about I the, have. The, yeah, talk about the the other books you've put you've published since. Yeah, well the other thing about real estate agents, I think sales professionals as well, they they have this squirrel phenomenon, you know, the shiny <laughs> object they're always off to the next thing. Yeah. And Another funny outcome was people would say to me, but it's so big, kind of like you. And I'm like, but you're only reading one a day. Right. <laughs> and they were just paralyzed. And I'm like, okay. So what I found is sometimes people want to just focus on one area because the book, even though it's every day is different, it has a overall structure, which follows the, really the principles of really any successful real estate agent any real estate business or other businesses, because I found title people and mortgage people find a lot of applications as well. So that is everybody does some form of prospecting, business development, or lead generation. And I call that commit to get leads. And then every 
salesperson or really anybody in any kind of endeavor takes that lead, that person, the customer, the client through a process. So like a title, you all you know, have a, a process to intake a, a new customer or client, and then you take them through the title work, and then you take them through the settlement process, and then you have the closing process. So everybody has a process, and I call that consult to sell. So you're taking them through the process. Then what often happens is people get stuck in this loop. It's a transactional loop of they're only as good as their next deal. They wake up the next morning, they go, oh, I don't think to do. I better go find myself a customer or client. So then they're, they're just like on this hamster wheel. So there are principles to connect, to build, and grow. And those are leverage and they're, you know, things that help you scale and create an ongoing sustainable enterprise. And then what I found is that all successful people, they have mindset and motivation, which in the book I call success, thinking, activities, and vision. So that surrounds the whole thing. And when you bring it together, that creates a sweet spot of success. So in this conversation with people, I was like, okay, if you want to focus on commit to get leads, you could just work your way through the book until you find those. Well, that format didn't seem to work well for people. So I created a 66-day challenge on commit to get leads. So if you want to just focus on that aspect of your business, and there's a lot of research and habit formation on 66 days and why, and we can go into that if you want to, but the idea is, is it gives you, so people that are like paralyzed with like thinking, I got to do this every day for a year. You can say, okay, well, you do this every day for 66 days right. and that is, is, is empowered them. And so that's the first one out, but then the other ones will be coming out too over the next uh, couple of years. You talked 66 days, so it's not three weeks, right? That was like the common thing. Hey, you do it for three weeks for a month and it becomes a habit. Well, so the research is, is that three weeks is very important. It's what they call the the um, evangelist phase because you're very excited about your new habit. And just talk to anybody that's got a Peloton or started Whole30 uh, <laughs> food plan. I mean, they're like, okay, they're really on board for about three weeks. And then people often hit a dip if you will, where they kind of evaluate, do I really have to eat this way for the rest of my life? Do I really have to ride this bicycle every day? And so getting through that dip, Seth Godin talks about it in his book, right? Getting through, powering through that dip is really important because it's the other side of the dip, the final 22 days or three weeks is where you really start to energize and put into play these habits that are more likely to be sustainable and ongoing, they call that um, when it becomes automatic. So like just think about driving or brushing your teeth or whatever. So you don't think about that anymore. You can just do that as part of your life. And so that's why uh, the three stages of the 66 days uh, come into play. You mentioned in your description of, of uh, what's in the book, this, I, I like to you know, a work-life balance that the book's not all about just what you need to do as a realtor, but you also impart wisdom you've learned over the years about how do you handle things in your life that that will ultimately lead to you being more successful. Is that true? Is that the, a way to look at that? Yes, absolutely. I, what I found is is that I, as I work on my personal development and that there's this this ripple effect, if you will, in terms of my life and the people that are around me, and so the investment into success, thinking, activities, and vision in 
in all areas of your life is really a turns out to also be an investment in your business. And so the the book covers that because the other aspect to real estate is that it's very personal. And the emotional aspects of buying and selling a home are often can be very high. People are frequently going through another major life event in almost all cases of when they're buying and selling a home. So it's really imperative that the real estate agent be able to uh, stay you know, calm and be able to navigate it for their client because the client and I think the other people in the transaction feed off of that. I mean, I, I'm sure you've seen this as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, when the real estate agent, you know, makes it into an emergency or crisis when it, they could have been calm and probably would have kept everybody else calm. So that's why it's it's just as important, the personal development aspect as the business. I think I just found the clip I'm going to play at the beginning of this episode <laughs> as, as, as an ex-title <clears throat> branch manager. You're right. It's all about staying calm. Uh, we're going to get through this together. I think that's critical. I, w- I want to get, you know, you've, you've we've covered a lot of ground, but I want to kind of bring it um, up to today again and talk about your take on what's happening in the industry today as far as all this technology that's popping up. You know, we've got the iBuyers out there and in some markets, they may not be where you're at yet, but you know, Open Door and OfferPad and Purple Bricks and Knock and, and these new brokerage models like EXP and Compass and tons of money, venture capital just pouring into the business. So how, how what is the average agent going to do you know, that hopefully focuses more on just keeping these relationships strong with, with consumers. Uh, do they continue what they're doing? Is there something different they need to do? What's, what's your take on that? Well, I think it's a both and. I mean, if you look back to when I started the real estate business and we didn't have, we didn't even have uh, digital forms and digital signatures. And so the the, the business is going to, evolve and change and adapt. And I, I like to reference the quote by uh, Wayne Gretzky that he skates to where the puck is going. So I always say, well, you need to be skating to where the market is going. I mean, you need to be moving there and be relevant and in, because you'll see what happens when people don't, right? Because I, I see it in my office and uh, people, it isn't always an age thing, but it often is. Uh, they don't adapt, and so they they miss out on a lot of opportunities. So that I would embrace. Also, at the same time, it is a heavily oriented relationship business, and there will always be new endeavors out there, and new models, business models. Because again, I think that's just the nature of the business, and I, I applaud it because I think that that is where we get innovation and we get new ways of of looking at how to operate a business. At the same time, though, it is one of the most relationship-driven. And if you think about other industries, for example, the financial services industry, well, you had QuickBooks, but you still have CPAs, right? So there's still people want financial planners. There's still people that are going to want a person focused on creating the best outcome and situation. And so I think that there will always be a place for the professional real estate agent that has good market knowledge, good negotiation skills, good people skills that I think is there's always going to be a place for that. 
So Karen, you mentioned at, at the beginning of the show that you have a podcast as well. Let's let all the listeners know about that podcast, um, what, uh, what, your, what kind of your goal is with your show, and, and let's kind of spread the word about it. Thank you. The five minute success podcast, how it came about was that I was on other great podcasts such as yours. And I wanted to give you a shout out as well, because I noticed that you were ranking high in the overcast most recommended business podcast. So I, 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 Tell all of your listeners, your community to be sure, like you said, to rate and review the show because it really does make a difference. That's how I found you. So what happened was I realized that the five minute success had this formula, commit to get leads, consult to sell, connect, build and grow and success, thinking activities and vision. I was like, wow, that would make a great format for a podcast. And so on the first birthday of my book, the the book asked for a podcast and it came to me that there's all these people out there, entrepreneurs, sales professionals in real estate and other areas that would have valuable information, inspiration to share with the, the podcasting space. And so that's when it came about. So it's about ready to have its first birthday in October of 2018. And lots of other endeavors are coming. We have, now online courses are going to be offered through the 66 day challenge, commit to get leads and others. So please just check out the five minute success website. That's with the number five. Awesome. Let me, let me wrap this up. I thank you for your time today. It's been really fun to have this conversation and, but I'm going to ask you the same question I've asked every guest over the last three years. And that's if you had one piece of advice, you could give a new agent just getting started. What would it be? Going back to the, distinction between commercial real estate and residential real estate is that it's very personal. It's not just business. And yet at the same time, you have to be able to separate your own personal emotions and the the business aspect of it, yet recognize that your clients are going through something very personal. And so when I have people that are new in the business, I always say, watch that you've got mail clip with uh, Meg Ryan and Tom Hanks about how they she and dealt with the fact that her business was struggling and because what I find is that a lot of people enter the business and they they take these things very personally so uh, to to recognize the fact that it is a business it has very many personal aspects to it but to to not take it personally and then if I can do it you can do well I'm going to put a link to that clip in the show notes. As well as forward it to my wife because it's her favorite movie of all time. So she's going to really? love the fact that you mentioned, yeah, that movie. <laughs> um, well, it's um, very powerful. There's a lot of women in residential real estate, and I find more so than men that they take it personally, even though I've known men to do it as well. And so that's usually if you if you could start out with that perspective, you will more likely achieve success at a, a quicker level. Karen, if someone wants to reach out to you, you mentioned the website, but what are what's the best way for them to do that if they wanted to follow up? Well, and we also have the Five Minute Success Facebook page and group, and we'd love to have you part of the community because one of the beauties of the fact that it's a daily reader is that we have a conversation going about each topic of the day. And so, you know, join in with other people that are doing the Five Minute Success. Karen, thank you so much for your time. I really learned a lot, really enjoyed. I enjoy your passion for what you do. I think that uh, it just comes through in everything you say. And, and best of luck as you move forward with, with more books and, and more you know, sharing of this, uh, this great story. 
Well, thank you, Bill. And here's to your success. 